In today's self-publishing interview, I'm very happy to bring on a publishing veteran and coach, Carla Marie. Stay tuned for more. Welcome to Self-Publishing with Dale. And if you want tips and strategies on self-publishing your own books, make sure that you subscribe and turn your notifications on to get all my latest videos. Today, I am very excited. I know I say this about all of my guests, but today it's the exception here because I'm bringing someone I consider a pioneer within the industry and her name is Carla Marie. Carla Marie is a mom and preeminent six-figure Kindle self-publishing expert and coach dedicated to helping people navigate the path to success. She's worked with hundreds of clients from across six continents over the past couple of years, many of whom have also gone on to develop highly profitable self-publishing businesses that earn them a full-time income. Her deepest, most heartfelt values are freedom and love. Carla is most fulfilled when she is of service to other entrepreneurs, helping to lift them up toward realizing their greatest potential. So without any further ado, here is the interview and I'm welcoming to the show, Carla Marie. Carla, how you feeling? Great, how are you, Dale? <laughs> I'm, I'm live and kicking. Not too many people realize what happens before we start shooting or even during the times that I have to edit things out. <laughs> yep, I have an idea now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay and you know, I, I'm just really glad that you've taken time out of your day uh, to give a little bit of a background, how I know you is through your interviews with Jason Brock over on his channel from, gosh, it's been a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did you ever meet Jason? And uh, I know that you got quite a bit of exposure through the two or three interviews that you did on your channel. So give me a little mm -hmm. bit of a synopsis on that. Sure. Um, so Jason, um, we were both part of um, an intro course that we did a few years ago. And um, I think we were both on the Facebook group for that and just kind of saw each other posting randomly. Um, and um, I think he saw some of my posts where I was uh, celebrating my success uh, in that group. And he had a, a YouTube channel and he saw that what I was doing was um, you know, pretty unique and that I was branching out into romance fiction and having success with it. So he uh, reached out and asked me if I'd like to be interviewed on his channel. And I said, for sure. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was a, a fun interview. And it, yeah, it's had a lot of a lot of traction in the past couple of years. It, it certainly did. And actually, it was that very first interview where my wife uh, had been turned on to you as well as your coaching program. And uh, boy, you have coached a who's who of the successful self-publisher in the industry today and also in the past. So uh, tell me a little bit about your, your coaching experience so far. Sure. Um, it kind of happened uh, accidentally in a way. As I, as I said, I was um, in this intro course on, in that Facebook group and kind of just sharing my success. And a couple of people reached out to me and just said, hey, can you show me what you're doing? You know, can you teach me? I'll pay you. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, they're actually what I my knowledge and what I'm learning is in demand. And so then I just started to work with a couple people uh, here and there. And then those groups started getting bigger through word of mouth. Um, and uh, it just snowballed from there. And uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I've had amazing clients. Um, I think because I put such an emphasis on non-competition um, and uh, there being abundance and all those sorts of mindset sort of things um, in my program and in the, the content that I share, that I attract a certain kind of, uh, of client that um, 
are they're really expansive in their mindset and uh, they take massive action and they make things happen and uh, I'm so proud of my students and the successes they've had. Yeah, you should be. There's there's a lot of really, there's people that sing your praises all over. Uh, I know that Kelly is definitely one of your biggest cheerleaders. So uh, before we start to go too further down the path, I just really want to kind of tap in a little bit more about some of your mindset coaching. And the very first question I have for you, what's the key difference between the indie publishers making $500 per year versus the entrepreneurs making about a hundred grand or more per year? Okay, um, that's a really great question because I think there are key differences. And like you said, it all comes down to mindset because two people can have the exact same blueprint for action, but why does one person, like you say, make maybe $500 a month or, or like 100 or 50 or whatever, and why does another person go on to make multiple five figures per month? And it comes down to commitment, persistence, and focus. And the people that um, are at that level where they're making you know, five figures plus a month, those are the people who have had the same setbacks that those people that don't make as much had in the beginning. You know, they have stumbles, they have things that set them back, but the key is that they keep going. They don't let those stumbling, you know, those little stumbles and obstacles hold them, hold them back from continuing to take action. Um, and so that's huge, commitment, staying on your path, staying aligned with where you want to be and doing what it takes because, you know, not everyone that takes my program is going to make multiple five figures a month. I mean, that's just realistic, right? But the thing is that those people that do, it's because they believe they can do it and they are taking actions that are in alignment with that. To, to be that person that makes that amount per month, you have to be taking action like that kind of person and you have to be operating um, on that, that level um, and doing things that you know 95% of other people either don't know how to do, aren't willing to do, aren't willing to make sacrifices to do. Um, so there's, there's a lot of factors involved, but it all comes down to to mindset because there's no like inborn trait or genius that someone has that makes multiple five figures per month compared to someone who makes 50 bucks a month right so um it's it's all to do with um what's up here interesting so mm -hmm. we say mindset what exactly do you mean by mindset especially i mean is it just a case of that i just think, well, I'm going to make a million dollars next month, or is it a case that I need to start to think realistically and what is realistic for this type of business? Okay, sure. So I think um, when I refer to mindset, I refer to um, what is determining your beliefs because your beliefs is what determines your habits and your actions. And uh, so, and that all comes back to thoughts. So what are you thinking on a regular basis? Are you thinking that there's possibility. Are you thinking that there is um, abundance and there's a lot of money out there waiting for you? Or are you thinking that nothing good ever happens to you or that everything you do is going to fail? Or are you thinking that there's lack and there isn't enough out there for everybody and we have to, you know, be really fiercely um, competitive and, and cutthroat and, um, um, you know, operate in a way where it makes us feel bad. Um, so, 
kind of look at the thoughts that you have because that's going to determine how you're feeling. And those feelings then align with um, where you want to be. So let me, let me bring it down to this. So if you have a goal, a pretty expansive goal where um, you want to be making, say, $10,000 a month. And you set this goal for six months from now, six months in the future. You may be saying to yourself, that's totally impossible because I don't know how I'm going to get there. Like, I don't know that path. Like, that's totally impossible. But if you hold that goal and you hold the feeling tone of that goal and how it's going to make you feel to, to achieve that, and you allow yourself to just exist in a space of trust and faith that you have this conception, this goal you want to achieve, that the path isn't clear right now, but that it will be revealed to you if you stay open and you stay focused and committed to taking little bits of progress every day towards that goal. It's amazing what opportunities come out in front of you and also amazing how your path can um, be illuminated for you and then you'll know what to do next and next and next and next because mm. i mean look at i mean imagine like with you probably a, you know a few years ago if you you know could have imagined that you had this youtube channel and you had all these videos and you had followers and you had this success and you and your wife have these online businesses and i mean you would have thought like that's impossible. Like, how did, how would I do that? Right? Like how, I don't know. I'm, I really don't know your background if you were like came from nine to five or whatever, but if you think back to those days and then if you had a glimpse of what you were in the future, you'd be like, no, that's, that's totally impossible because you didn't know the path, but it all happened and it all unfolded. So, um, if you feel really drawn, like from the core of your being towards a certain goal, um, whether it be monetary or, you know, an experience you want to have or whatever. Um, If you're really kind of anchored deeply into why you want that goal um, and into the feeling it's going to bring you, because all of us, we set goals and we want things and have desires because it's going to bring us a certain feeling. That's what it boils down to. So if you are in touch with that feeling, you're connecting to it regularly. um, You're like enjoying the idea of that feeling If you're doing that regularly, then that's going to bring you into alignment with that goal. And you're going to be able to have more clarity about the small actions you need to take to get there. Um, One of my teach, I'm before I had this publishing business, I was a yoga teacher. And one of my yoga teachers said something to me, this quote, I will never forget. And I actually earlier today, I reminded myself of it. It's hold the vision, trust the process. So Hold the vision, hold the goal you have, and trust that the process, the like step-by-step to get there, will be revealed to you. And that you need to stay alert, of course. You need to be committed. You need to like be present, and you need to take massive action when the little um, opportunities arise. But trust that you will know. You'll know what to do. And uh, every little step is a little bit of progress. So that was a really long-winded answer for your question. <laughs> That's excellent. You know, and you're, you're doing a great job to illuminate some things and questions that are already set aside. So this is this makes it easy for me. So what is the best way to goal plan then? Okay, what I prefer to do is um, I always have a goal 
for quarterly. So for instance, right now I have a goal that is for December 31st of this year. I also have a goal for March 31st of next year. And then I have a goal for uh, December 31st, 2026. So um, yeah, you know, going long term too. So I like, um, yeah, I like to have something that's about three, three months or so in the future that I work towards or like in those three month chunks. So I feel at the beginning of the quarter, when you set your goals, um, that three month period is, short enough that you can um, you can really see how like taking action will will result in something at that point but it's long enough away to know that like but a lot can happen in three months and you know different opportunities can pop up so I just think it's kind of like this ideal ideal time frame um, and when I started using this goal setting process was um, the end of 2014 and that quarter I saw such amazing growth in myself income wise, um, as a business person, uh, just a lot of transformations happened, um, in that quarter. And then after that, I was like sold on the process <laughs> of setting really expansive goals and setting goals that are a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Like don't set a goal where you know the exact path to get there. Cause that means it's too small. Like don't set mediocre goals unless you just want a mediocre life. Uh, so if you want a life of expansion and, um, you want to have something that's really exciting, like set exciting goals for yourself and notice how it feels. If you do feel a little uncomfortable with it, good. Sit in that discomfort and know that you need to have that discomfort in order to transition to the next level. This makes so much sense. And I think it feeds into a lot to what I'm approaching myself here. It's National Novel Writing Month this next month. And as you may know, and most of my viewers know, I'm a primarily a nonfiction writer. So I'm going to test my comfort because I know I looked at it and I've always wanted to be a fiction writer. I'm going, oh gosh, and I've got to write 50,000 words next month. <laughs> wow. So I, I'm really excited about that. And it really kind of cool. speaks a lot to exactly where I'm headed at. So goal planning, that's, that's, that's really awesome. What about, what does a person do when they don't meet a goal? Do they just give up or is there something else that somebody can do to keep going on despite certain setbacks or failures? Um, yeah, I think everyone here has set goals and not met them by the date that you want to make them. And what I do personally is I never let go of the goal. I just move the date. Oh. And then I reflect back on what were the successes in this, you know, say you're doing it quarterly. In this quarter, what were the successes? What did I experience that was amazing? What helped me to, um, to grow? And where could I see myself getting closer towards this goal? Uh, what actions am I taking that are the um, highest impact? So what actions am I taking that are resulting um, in, um, in those experiences that are bringing me closer to the goal? And I'm being kind of broad about the, like, the idea of goal, because I don't just mean just for financial goals. There's relationship goals, there's health goals, there's you know, fitness goals, all these sorts of things. So the same process can be applied to all those different types of goals. And another... Um, a really influential person um, in my business circle um, said something recently and it just really resonated with me. And I know probably you've heard this before and so would I, but just this last time it really resonated with me that how you do anything is how you do everything. Right? So look at how, how are you, what are your habits? What are you doing day to day in your life? How are you approaching your health, your eating habits, your exercise? Um, 
your relationships, how you um, interact with um, service people in public, um, how you do anything is how you do everything. So, um, yeah. So what, how you how you're uh, approaching your goals in one area of your life can affect other areas of your life as well. That is so true, and that that man, that's. There's so many times that I find myself even, you know, you say this quote and it makes me think instantly too. Uh, when I'm doing some video production, for instance, I'll have meltdowns and, and my wife gets to hear those things and she doesn't like it when I do that. Well, I just happened to be over at Vid Summit this past week and I saw Brian G. Johnson recording his videos and it was the greatest thing. He'd mess up, dip his head down, lift his head back up and go right back into it. And immediately I go, Oh, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I've been, you know, flipping out over just the stupidest things. And I asked him, yeah. what was the, the key, you know, how was he able to handle that? He said, you just got to allow yourself mistakes. It's okay. Exactly. You're not, you no, haven't I'm done sure. anything wrong, Dale. Like yeah. there's, yeah, you're not doing anything wrong and you'll never get everything a hundred percent right. Cause everything's always progress and growing. Right. So yeah. Well, you may I think that you're like, I've made it now. And then like <laughs> five years down the line, you're like, that guy didn't know anything, right? And so, <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, yeah. even you say a few years ago, I think it is staggering for some of the uh, successes I've had over the past few years and being the position I am, you would have said that at person three years ago, I'd be right where I am now. I would have said, yeah, with a cock, cocky arrogance, but you know, really deep down, I would have known, I would have been like, no, I'm never going to get to that point. And I think that I'm glad you're able to address the whole having setbacks and failures. Because I think that sometimes my mind gets tripped up sometimes every now and then when I don't meet a goal or my daily method of operation isn't completely fulfilled on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, the relationship with failure that you have with failure is really important. So yeah. failures should be something that you're I know it's like hard to, hard to like, or understand sometimes this way, or it's hard to put it into practice for yourself, but failures need to be um, embraced and um, kind of be thankful and excited about them. Because as you fail at something, it's actually correcting your course, which is bringing you closer to your goal. So as you're failing, you are able to take something from that experience and take action in a different way, a different direction, or you can you know, correct your action or whatever, and that's just gonna bring you closer to your goals. So yeah, yeah failure, start failing, fail fast. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's something I've learned from one of my best friends is, you know, you gotta fail to succeed. He said, mm -hmm. you have to fail over and over and over. And one of the things he said is, he's, he's a bull in a china shop. He's gonna go out there and make a yep. bunch of mistakes because he knows that the more mistakes he makes, the closer he gets to the success that he wants totally. to get in his goal planning. This is yeah. great, this is awesome. Now I'm gonna kind of shift a little bit here sure. on you. What is more important in self-publishing? Is it passions or is it profits? I think you have to identify what you're passionate about. Um, if you're passionate about, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something super obscure. If you're really passionate about um, lumberjack opera, then you're probably not going to be too profitable with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought that was lucrative. <laughs> and I just thought that as I looked out into the mountains out of my window, I'm like lumberjacks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, lumberjack opera, no, not profitable. So if you want to make a profit at whatever you're doing, um, 
and you know, if you're really passionate about something and you want to make a profit out of it, check and see if other people are passionate about that too. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you something. I'm not passionate about romance books. Hmm, okay. I'm passionate about the process I've created that um, has helped me and helped so many other people. I'm also passionate about bringing um, entertainment and joy to other people. And that's what the books mm. truly do. Like when I get emails from my readers, it is like really exciting to see people, you know, gushing about the experience of reading what you're selling to them. Right. And so I like that. Like I like that being able to give people that sort of, a pleasure, um, that entertainment. Um, so in that sense, that on the reading side or the reader side of things for publishing, I like being able to do that. Um, and on the my coaching side of things, I love being able to see transformations in people and help them reach their potential. So um, yeah, but with the publishing, I'm not passionate about you know, bad boy romances. <laughs> so <laughs> what? Uh, I, even though, I mean, the stories are good. It's the thing, once you get good writers too, it's like, it gets exciting. Right. But, um, but for nonfiction, um, I would imagine that it's important to have some kind of interest in helping the population you're trying to help with your books and the, you know, helping them find the solutions that you're trying to provide, because that's what nonfiction publishing is all about is finding solutions. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it depends. So yeah, passion profits, they can go hand in hand if you're, you know, if the actual topic you're passionate about is something that's in demand, then yes, that will make you money. If what you're passionate about isn't going to make you money and, but you still want to publish eBooks, then find something um, where you see a need, where there's um, people are, are in need of uh, solutions, they have problems, um, and you see a way of, um, of filling that need and of providing the solutions to them and feeling good about that. Um, one thing I, I really don't like seeing in nonfiction is people faking authority. Um, so... <laughs> So don't do that. Don't pretend you're a doctor or whatever. Don't, don't go down that, that road. But right. uh, if you can genuinely provide solutions to people, then, then go for it and feel good about that. Let that be your passion that fuels you. Um, and then also feel passionate about the fact that you're creating, um, you know, some financial freedom for yourself and, and that kind of a thing too. So passion can come from another, or a, a number of different directions. That's, that's so awesome to hear you share that you are passionate, not necessarily about the niche that you're publishing within, mm -hmm. but about the actual process. And I think that speaks volumes to, you know, your character as well as hopefully some people out there that are looking for that niche. And I'm sure we'll get to that eventually mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, it, it's learning the process and getting it down. I got a crazy question. It's a little sure. bit off script here. Okay. So if, and I know this is just a what if scenario. <laughs> okay. What if scenarios don't work really, really all too well. But what if you weren't drawing a dime on what you were doing right now? What would you still pursue it? Or would you look into something different? And if there was something different, what would it be? Oh, that's interesting. Um, do you mean for uh, ebook publishing or uh, coaching? For ebook publishing? Both. Ebook publishing, if I wasn't making any money from it, yeah. I wouldn't do it. Okay. No. But coaching and helping people. If I wasn't making money from it, yes, I would do that. And I do that regularly because I, uh, yeah, I help people all the time, like with 
with their questions. I have a free community Facebook group. I help people there. Um, that is where I know that I have a lot of value is as a teacher. And um, yeah, I, I love providing people with an like expanded idea of, of what they can be and what their reality can be. Right. So um, yeah, if I wasn't making money, I would definitely be doing that in some kind of capacity. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. I know it was a little bit off course, but I've just said, no, that's a great question. Time. Yeah. Never had that question before. <laughs> I, I would probably just be homeless and still <laughs> publishing books. <laughs> that's, really? That's, yeah. You know, I, well, I, the thing I, is you publish in your, yeah. your niche though. And in your passion, you know yeah. what, if I, if I wasn't making money publishing books, I would probably like publishing romance books. If for some reason, all of a sudden people hated romance, which is never going to happen by the no. way. Um, if that happened for some reason, then I would start publishing books in a, a different niche that is maybe more in my, you know, aligned with my passion. But I went for romance strictly because it's lucrative. I researched a few years ago because I started nonfiction and I started researching and saw that romance books were ranking the best in the store. And I said, let's give this a try. <laughs> and I did. And I was like, wow, okay, let's do this. And uh, didn't look back. So yeah, it's kind of crazy because I think not too long ago, and this is merely anecdotal, uh, no case study per, per se. I just went in one day, checked the top 100 books. And of those top 100 books, about 60 of them could be categorized as romance books. So it's yeah. just it's crazy. The top 100 books within the Amazon Kindle store are romance books. And it's amazing. It yeah. Hungry market. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. And it's not new. Like we're no. talking about 50 years of people wanting 50 plus years, probably of women reading romance novels. Like when I was a kid, they were just all at the grocery store checkout, you know, by the cashier, the novels. Um, the Harlequin now. Uh, Harlequin. Books. Yeah, for sure. And now it's like yeah. now women can just discreetly read them on their phones. <laughs> so, yes. You yeah. know, it, it's so funny. I spent 20 years in the healthcare industry and uh, I usually took care of some kind of a library in some capacity. And a great majority of the books were a lot of the Harlequin style books. And you know what? The seniors, the, the ladies in particular, had no shame in reading those. And, and awesome. one of the times I just decided to thumb through it and I'm like, <gasps> you, <laughs> mama, look at you. And I'm just like, wow, I'm appalled. <laughs> so funny. And the covers are always so hilarious. I mean, the covers are still like lots of rippled, shiny abs. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Uh, or Fabio, the Fabio days. You remember yep. when he was on every, uh, every cover? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fabio. All right. Well, uh, a few other questions before we begin to wrap things up here. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely want to tap a little bit more into the newbie self-publishers and sure. uh, what can newbie self-publishers expect to earn in their first month of the business, their first half of the year or their first year? Okay, that's a good question. Um, newbies that work with me the first month, uh, you're not going to earn a lot because you're going to work a lot on brand development and audience building. Um, and but the thing is that setting the stage for setting the foundation for you to have um, like a snowball <laughs> and have expansive growth over over the coming months. And um, half a year, I have many students who by half a year are you know earning quote unquote full time income. So a few you know a few grand a month. Um, and then after a year, students who are making ex exceptional money, um, really great incomes. So the thing is, it all comes down again to the action you're taking. Also, your willingness to treat this like a business. Like you can't expect to show up as a self-publisher 
and uh, invest 20 bucks and start making $10,000 a month. And you know, sometimes I get emails from people being like, I want to earn $15,000 a month at the end of the next three months. And I don't, you know, but they don't want to invest anything or um, just that's, that is pretty unrealistic. So, you know, I'm all about setting expansive goals, but um, I'm also, I also see that you have to be realistic in what your actions you're willing to take, the amount you're willing to invest monetarily, um, and the patience you're going to have, because this is not a get rich quick thing. And you know that because you're a publisher, this is a long-term game. So all of my really, really successful students have been at it for a year plus. But I mean, look at the, look at the payoff of putting a year into something, you know, and yeah. It's Considering awesome. that it takes, you know, some people to get, you know, college degrees, four to six years or even more. Eight years, and, yeah. And even then, it's nothing's assured for them. And they can't, unlike yeah. a, a course such as, you know, going and getting a self-publishing course or coaching, you can't get a refund on your college <laughs> if you don't get your money. So, exactly, so yes. You know, it, it, I think to invest into something, um, you know, as, as far as your time, as well as some kind of financial investment you know mm -hmm. that's definitely the way to go i'm glad you shared that it's uh it's a question i get a lot where some people ask me what can i realistically expect to make over the next you know six months I, you know results may vary they <laughs> may vary and they Huge. do vary greatly yeah. <laughs> i have students after six months that make nothing because they don't take any action <laughs> then i have students after six months that are making you know 5k plus a month so um yeah varies definitely varies uh, so what should an aspiring self-publisher, when should they give up if their business isn't, you know, doing so hot? Um, as far as giving up self-publishing in general, yeah. um, you know, that's a tough question because it all, what's required if things aren't working for you is you need to be tweaking something. You need to objectively look at what you're doing. Look at A, are the books you're publishing in demand? Is there a niche there that people um, are hungry for and they want to pay for. Are you publishing good quality books? What do your covers look like? Are they professional? Are your titles drawing people in? Are your sales descriptions magnetizing readers? There's just so many factors involved and so many opportunities there to make some adjustments and tweak um, and also building an audience. And that's huge. Like that is what I stress now as the number one priority is you need to be building your own audience and there's so many opportunities now in fiction especially i'm not really as familiar with nonfiction, but in fiction you can build huge audiences really quickly now um and that should be your priority because then you have this group of people that no matter what even if like amazon headquarters burns down tomorrow or whatever you know there's no more amazon in the world for some reason it just disappears i don't know which is very unlikely of course but if that happens then you still have this list of ten thousand readers that you can sell Bingo. romance books to them because that's what they want so that is super valuable so that's what i that's what i teach is you need to be building up that audience making that your priority and then from there once you start publishing things that you know books that are specific to what this audience wants uh, you have a built-in audience nice i, I mm -hmm. love it and i think you even had a great interview which speaking of uh those of you that are watching this particular video. I want to tell you that if you look inside the description below, you'll actually get a full playlist 
of many of her interviews. And she talks a little bit about building an email list and the value of that in an interview with Emeka Osai. Really love that interview. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. You can be able to go back and get some great 401 in that one. Mm-hmm. All right, as we start to push forward, I'm going to ask you a crazy question. Why should self-publishers get a coach? Can't they just do it on their own? You can do it on your own. It takes a lot longer and it's a lot more painful. You'll spend more money and you will have so many headaches. Um, It's interesting because a lot of the people I work with that are newbies that haven't done anything before with self-publishing, their progress in two, two to three months is far beyond what took me like a year. Um, so it's, uh, it just shortens um, the learning curve. Um, and I see that a lot of people, they, they want to, you know, they want, don't want to invest in themselves, which um, is unfortunate because investing in a coach, investing in um, someone who is where you want to be and knows the, um, the most direct course to get there. Um, that is so, so valuable. And uh, yeah, invest, invest in, in mentorship for sure. Cause it, it, it makes everything so much easier and more straightforward. And the thing is, if you do invest in a mentor, the only way it would be a waste of time and money is that is if you're not coachable. So if you show up saying that I know that, or, you know, you know, that kind of attitude where you're really closed um, and uh, you're not willing to take the action that is set forward to you in the training. Um, that's the only way it would be a waste of time and money is if you don't implement uh, what's presented to you. And not every teacher is for every person. Um, I'm definitely not the right teacher for everybody. Um, other teachers aren't the right teacher for them, you know? So, um, yeah, find the right teacher for you and, uh, and invest. It makes a big difference. I can't agree with you more. I'm telling you that, that you hit it right on the nose here. So what niche should I publish in? (laughs) (laughs) Joking, joking, because I know you've heard this 50,000 times. Oh yeah. Every single time. Um, what I recommend (laughs) is, uh, like I mentioned before, Check out what people want. What are people willing to pay for? What are they hungry for? Um, and as far as, uh, so for fiction, that's what you want to look at is what are, what are people interested in? What are, they, what are they reading right now? What's selling? Um, and then for nonfiction, look at where are people's pain points? Where can you provide a solution to them that maybe they're not easily finding somewhere else? Um, and... Uh, yeah, there's so many possibilities. And one of the best ways to research this is look at the bestsellers in the Kindle store. Look at the bestseller list. See what's trending. See what people um, are looking for right now. And on those bestsellers, one of the best things to do is look at the reviews. This is for fiction and nonfiction. See what people are loving about books and see what people are hating about books and what is missing from certain books. And that applies a little bit more to um, well, not necessarily, but it, I know it applies heavily to nonfiction. You can look at the reviews and see like, okay, what are people looking for that they're not finding in these books? And that can really guide you um, to um, publishing something that's going to be in demand. Excellent. That, that was so awesome. I wasn't even expecting an answer. And you still no. gave a well-crafted answer. <laughs> so uh, as we start to wrap things up, how can the viewers get in touch with you? Okay, the best way is to join my free uh, community Facebook group. And um, we'll put the link in the description. 
so that's, that's the best place. Come hang out with me on Facebook and uh, I'll see you there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you, Carla. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to kind of just chop it up with me and talk a little bit about the self-publishing business. I think you've dropped a lot of 411. You gave me a little bit of information. I feel like I got coached in this past half hour. Awesome. So this is wonderful. Hey, uh, anybody that's watching this, please go down into the description down below. You'll get all the relevant links to where you can get a hold of Carla and learn a little bit more about her coaching program as well as her YouTube channel. So uh, in the meantime and in between time, if you enjoyed this video, make sure that you share it with at least one other person. It's a self-publishing too. Till later, this has been Self-Publishing with Dale, and I'll see you soon.